can't believe that you haven't seen it love it so much you really gotta stream it let me tell you every line right now i can quote the whole thing since i was 12. maybe your mom told you no she said she Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of Movies My Best. I am your host, Brandon Greenhouse, joined by my lovely co-host, Jane Krill Hammer. And before we get into the episode this week, we do want to let you know that when you're not tuning in here, you can tune in 24-7 on our social medias. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us with a needle and threads. That's mm. right, baby. Over on threads. Uh, Uncle Zuck's little experiment um, in social media. Like you can find us mm. in all of these places. The handle is at movies. We missed Jane. How are you doing today? Don't hold back. Don't feel like you can't say any of the politically incorrect stuff you were saying before we started recording. <laughs> Let everyone know how you're feeling. You were crying <laughs> because as you put it earlier, they got a mugshot of my president. Um <laughs> And you've calmed down a little bit, but you were waking earlier. And I just want to check in to see if everything's okay. Are you accepting what's happening right now? You know, they maybe maybe you mistook my tears of joy for um, tears of anguish. But truly, I have loved seeing that um, mugshot everywhere, although I don't like seeing pictures of Trump's face. It is disgusting. And And it is particularly that picture that is bad he looks like he before we were talking about pooping in your pants it does look like he just pooped in his pants and he's mad about it in that picture um so yeah but it's nice to see him um be held at least account start start being held accountable for all the horrible things he's done so that's been a really nice um moment for for me Baby, six three two fifteen. All, <laughs> all six three of that tall, I mean, tall I, drink of water. I they, can't they, talk shit because my license is all a lie. So in the state of Illinois, you have to put your weight and your height on your license. And yeah, you've been lying about that height for years. No, no, my height is real. <laughs> you still, weight. you, you still my going with five seven? I am five seven. I'm between. Okay. I, I would say I'm between five six and five seven. Okay. <laughs> but I just for ease do five seven, and my weight, which I won't say here on the podcast, is also a lie, anyway. So <laughs> it doesn't we, we we do what we do. We do. We what have we do. to be unless you're Trump. You have to be generous with yourself. Sorry. There is something I mean, though about like there's something about like a president. Like there's something about a president though that's like like I don't know why it's so wild to me to just be like just like yeah, just, just throwing down fake numbers is like throwing down fake numbers. The thing is though, it's like he's never been honest about fucking anything. anything so why all, start here? Also, I'm sorry, but that that strawberry blonde under hair took me out. <laughs> it's like strawberry. Blonde, baby. 
me. What do you do? You take your white ass hair and you spray paint it with some sort of fire crotch orange. I don't even know what color it is. But strawberry blonde is like a cute little toddler. Like it's it's like, yeah, you are not Jessica Chastain, dear. Okay, you're not even Bryce Dallas. So let's just like calm down and breathe. Okay, because it's not giving strawberry blonde. Um, but it's interesting too because it gives me a little insight into like the fantasy that you that you are living and that you think you are projecting to the world because you think that everybody's like look at that six three strawberry blonde over, over there and also fantasy is a very kind word because the word that really comes to mind for me is full blown delusion oh for sure <laughs> that he gets in the mirror in the morning and he's just like Archie could never <laughs> Archie could never this hair is working uh body trim height to the fucking ceiling yeah exactly (laughs) he said because he said carpet matches the drapes baby Mm -hmm. and he said this fire crotch oh Oh, god (laughs) is is ready to is ready to cheeto it up (laughs) um so yeah so that's where we are and uh Mm, as a country (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. And you're kind of you got a little strawberry moment going here today, too, with your little red barrettes. And you've got your sort of pinstripe moment happening with your top. Oh, well, it's sort of just like a sort of a salmon and white striped. Um, I love a good like linen collar button down beachy moment. OK, Ina. Yeah. She said, just- she's, don't forget our girl is from the East Coast. She mm-hmm. knows she knows her way around the garden. She said. Invite me to your house in the Hamptons or fucking die. Is that that's what absolutely? She said, she said mm-hmm. you want to be disappointed by a dinner party? <laughs> I'm your girl. <laughs> Invite me to your dinner party, but like, don't expect me to like take charge and cook like an Ina Garten figure. <laughs> I will be there, and I will be. I, I'd be happy to serve cocktails. I'd be happy to drink cocktails. I'd be happy you to. You wouldn't serve. be happy to serve cocktails. You would <laughs> I mean, make the like first, the first round, <laughs> but then once I'm drinking, I'm done. Like yeah, drink. I was gonna say yeah. You'd be able to point people towards the mixers, <laughs> unless um, I'm getting up and making one for myself. I will also make one for you as well, but it's sort of got to be that deal. You know what I mean? I also think you would do. I also think. <laughs> you would you'd be one to to create the printout and just put it in front of the mixers on like how like guiding people totally, how to make it quick totally yeah. yeah i would come up with a quick cute cocktail nothing complicated something you can make really with two three ingredients a quick shake and you know right if glass. i was hosting a dinner party with you i would just expect you to be like the personality <laughs> i'd expect you to be like like waving people in and like demonstrating how to lounge sort of like letting them know what the vibe is while i was like sweating away in the kitchen popping my head out like stressed but i would know that you were fully holding down like on the social front i will say that is not the first time that someone said to me said that like similar thing to me because i will you were for say the vibe. I'm here for the vibes. I'm a good time. I love talking to people. I love, I love the hosting part of like inviting people into my home and getting them set up with a drink and sitting down and talking to them. I do not thrive in creating the meal. I am good at saying we should do this. This would be great to have on the menu. Ooh, what about this moment? But that sort of execution 
is not my favorite thing. I just like to I'm an ideas person and I'm a vibes person. You know what I mean? No, I get it. And that is a very important component of the dinner party. So I will say that, you know, thank you. I think it and, really um, works for Tara and I because sure. she likes to have something to do while people are there. Um, and she loves, she's not, she's more introverted than I am. So she likes to chat with people, but also likes to have a project to work on like dinner, like hors d'oeuvres, like that kind of thing. So it works for us, you know? Yeah. I feel you. I feel mm-hmm. you. And um, speaking of a, uh, Dinner party's gone awry. That mm. leads us right into our movie of the week. Um, it sure this does. This week, I gave Jane 1992's Under Siege. And um, I wrote a little ditty that I would love to um, share with you if you're well, open to it. Well, I hope it's it. not about Jack and Diane. I hope it's about our stars of the movie. You know what? Watch. The Coog. It's always about the Coog. Um, <laughs> I hope that the Johnny's Coog doing Mel. well. Right, Kukmel. I hope Johnny's doing well. And maybe there's a rekindle moment for um, him and Miss mm-hmm. Ryan. I'd we love to so. see it turn into Meg Mellencamp and, um, <laughs> in my lifetime. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one can only dream, you know? You think he'd turn Harry, um, you think he'd turn Jack and Diane into Harry and Sally, maybe? You think? I don't think that has anything to do with him. So, no, I'm sorry. I don't think he would do that. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and jump right in. Great. Love that. <laughs> he just gave me, this is the problem with it being a podcast. Is he just gave me the dirtiest look and you guys will never know. You'll never see and it. And you, and you flicked me off. So I, I didn't do that. That is a bold face lie. Listeners. Here we go. Battleship USS Missouri is set to arrive at Pearl Harbor on orders given by President George H.W. Bush, who took a brief respite from ignoring the AIDS crisis to hand down military decrees. And you probably think this movie begins with some gritty hand-to-hand combat or advanced military coup, but the drama that gets this film started is a bit spicier. It's, you guessed it, a birthday party. No, this isn't the latest installment of the Real Housewives franchise. Turns out nothing gets decorated Marines in a tizzy quite like fighting over who's bringing the cake. It's Captain Adam's birthday. And when ball busting Commander Krill takes it upon himself to plan a lavish meal to be flown in from Hawaii, he forgets to factor in one complication, a badass chief officer who is earning that petty in his official title. That's right. Petty officer and culinary specialist Casey Ryback is planning a fabulous meal for Cappy Adam's birthday already. And as he tersely informs Commander Krill, ain't no grub getting on this ship that Ryback's hands haven't touched. Ryback informs Krill that the menu has been decided and no interloping cuisine is going to touch Cap'n Adam's pretty peak lips. Ryback has a hundred pounds of flavorless bouillabaisse. Sorry. Ryback has a hundred pounds of flavorless bouillabaisse prepared for the celebration. And he's got no intention of letting it up Chuck itself. And this last minute twitcheroo that Commander Krill planned ain't going to rain on his parade. Things get so heated between Krill and Ryback that it turns into an all out tussle. The girls are fighting. Everybody wants to feed the captain. And Ryback finds himself locked in a meat locker on Krill's orders. And it turns out this Hawaiian feast that Krill was so hell bent on surprising Captain Adams with comes with a side of betrayal. 
This meal is an old-fashioned red herring that's been used to get dissenters on board the ship. That's right. The caterers and band members are actually mercenaries being led by a disgraced former CIA agent named William Bill Stranix. And as they threaten to take over the ship in an attempt to overthrow the government, bad boy cook Casey Ryback must figure out how to not only open a can of whoop-ass, but serve it up alongside a heaping portion of cold hard justice. He's going to have to overthrow these crooks before the USS Missouri is permanently under siege. And Finn, Ooh, thrilling. Yeah, I got myself worked up just thinking about people questioning oh. the culinary chief. Yes. Uh, Steven Seagal. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm ready to dive right in. I am going to hit you with some dirty stats real quick. Mm. Um, release date, mm. October 9th, 1992. Budget, 35 milli. Box office, 156. Check his credentials. Oh, shit, baby. That's right. Seagal, not not one of these girls. Not don't play one of with these. Him. Don't do not play with him. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so uh, this is the movie. Jane, you got the, the gift of getting to watch 1992's Under Siege for the first time. I wish that I could experience I something like that. Um, mm. But, uh, you know, we have our like it's we have our love it's. We got our loathe it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to give you the opportunity to start us out by presenting one of your like it's for this film. You have anything that you've worked up? I do. I, I, <laughs> I I've got plenty. There's so much in this movie to talk about. It's a narrowing lot. It, <laughs> narrowing it down was the challenge of the year. I'll yeah, tell baby. You. And I do want to say that again, I run into the problem where all of my like it's and love it's are really sarcastic <laughs> as they should be you're as in good company mm-hmm. and and here when you're here you're family when you're so here don't you're you family. feel so yeah exactly you may be like a step relative who people talk shit about when you go to the bathroom but you're family regardless right of course of and course. family's family always mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if you listen mm-hmm. to our episode last week mm-hmm. then you know that it's not just for the fast and the furious franchise it's always it's, it's always it's always MWM family, baby. Free so. family friends Ferrari. Um so that was my Vinny D. Sorry, I'll say that. Sorry, can you say that in, in your own voice so I can catch exactly what you said? Well, I am Vin and Vin is me, so technically that is my own voice, but okay. I said faith, family, friends, and Ferrari. Ferrari's, okay. Because, you know, because the movie's about cars. Right. Yeah. So no, I got that. I got that. But I just game. wanted to make sure you were saying Fawawis. Absolutely, um, baby. <laughs> anyways. Okay. So my first Lego point is I love how we spend so much time at the beginning of this movie talking about how incredible of a chef that um, Steven Seagal character is. Um, Casey Ryback. Ryback. Casey Ryback. Don't fucking don't don't forget it. And we cut to him like a few times chopping and his knife skills are horrible. (laughs) And they like show his like, you know, how you do like the what is it called? The mise en place where it's like all of your stuff in the place where oh, it's like yeah, for sure. all yeah, your yeah. chopped veggies and they they like pan to his chopped veggies and it looks like I would do them 
Like they didn't even yeah. have someone on set being like, oh, we're just going to chop these for you and pretend like you did it so that it looks like someone who has culinary skills chopped these vegetables. They're butchered. Yeah. They're yeah, his, Juli- <laughs> his Julianne is giving Julianne. It's not doing what it's supposed to be doing at all. Um, those veggies were looking atrocious. Mm-hmm. And then they had the nerve to pan up like you do when like, you know, like when Keanu Reeves does his own stunts in John Wick and they like, yes. they're like, wait for it, baby. We want you to see that mug. So, you know, that Keanu's doing it. And it's like they were giving us that same moment with Seagal. But it's like, we know he did it. This is a butcher job. Like these yeah. these poor leeks and carrots that were sacrificed for no reason. Exactly. And we know they just went into the trash afterwards. Absolutely. No one's eating not serving that to anybody. Those grimy hands. And I'm trying to convince us that he's some decorated chef. And it's like, where? Where? Where are the credentials? That's really funny. My So my first like it was actually just, a, it was a lot of what my synopsis was about. But <laughs> I love that the movie starts with like a birthday dinner party drama. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's so no. funny because there's so it's much so of the beginning of this movie. Queer coded. <laughs> It is. And it's like these messy, like the politics of this ship and like who gets to serve Captain Adams. And it's like a weird amount of time is dedicated to it. Like we spend mm-hmm. quite a bit of time with like Gary Busey, the icon, the, 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 the actor that I spent so much of my childhood thinking was just like Bizarro Nick Nolte. Um, <laughs> Me too. I, I could always not like, tell the difference almost that other man who's always yelling, but this is a different man who's always yelling. <laughs> this one, but it There's was like... something about Gary Busey that's a little more terrifying than Nick Nolte, although both terrifying men, but Gary no, Busey like seems a little more unhinged. He seems like he's not to be trusted. He's fully, mm-hmm. he's so chaotic. It's so mm-hmm. funny to think about a world in which he would be the commander of like <laughs> a know. ship and it's just like it's I love it and it's the world I want to live in and seeing Absolutely. like Gary Busey in full like unhinged mode is everything and uh, genius casting um, mm-hmm. but yeah no the, the dinner party drama between Krill and Ryback played by Seagal and uh, Busey is so funny because it's so unnecessary and it feels like it could have been a sentence but they decide to make it a story arc (laughs) that goes on for longer than it needs to and (laughs) it it gives it gives us like it it gives us nothing it sets up the contentious relationship between Ryback and Krill but it's weird that like the relationship is like hinging on like who gets to feed the captain tonight (laughs) at dinner and it's just like what this is the thing it is so queer coded as if the navy wasn't the queerest branch of the military anyways and then we're adding like (laughs) major conflict at the beginning of this movie all about the navy about these two men who can't get who aren't getting their way when it comes to their daddy's dinner party it's so funny it is so funny and it's also really funny to me too because it's like commander krill is like essentially like telling like the narrative is that like i'm having this like feast flown in from you from like Hawaii but there's like no details on it also Mm -hmm. the ship has hundreds of people on it so it's like how big is like this how big is this plane that is coming in that is supposed to feed the hundreds upon hundreds of men on this like huge like naval ship yeah and it's like this little helicopter comes in and you're just like there's no way there's enough food on this helicopter to feed this many people 
cut to the party and there's the like this huge roast beef that they're slicing. I don't see any other food. And I'm just like, I don't know what's happening here, but this is they not barely, a party. They like barely prepared the coup. They like stopped. <laughs> they like stopped and picked up some like brisket from like Culver's and like yeah. and like roll through and it's just like it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing can you get brisket at Culver's I don't think you can oh Culver's you- I'm sorry Culver's is a different thing in Texas there's like a Culver's ah, barbecue okay um, it's where the real stuff comes from that's their slogan <gasps> oh my god do they have like beef with Culver's they the were known for their beef and their chain? And their barbecue. I just got really sad remembering that there's not like a bunch of random, like, like quick, casual places to get barbecue. Like in <laughs> Texas, that's one of the things yeah. about Texas. I mean, there's a lot of things that are doozies, but one of the good <laughs> things about Texas is that you can get barbecue like anywhere. And so if you're just in the car and you're like, I've, it's this day is giving ribs and it's <laughs> noon, like you can just go get noon ribs. I and like, that's not something you can do everywhere. I would love to have ribs at noon. I don't think I've ever had the pleasure of just because being it's like because like, it's laborious. It's a laborious task, and it's usually like how you reward yourself after like waiting while somebody's like at a grill for like hours. So it's absolutely. like a nighttime thing. But yeah. just popping your head in and getting some cornbread, uh, some ribs, and mac and cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh that's God. what's up. I'm I so eat a pulled pork sandwich right now. That sounds so good. Me and you just sitting in a room, just going back and forth, just telling each other about delicious foods. I'm here for it. Um, but yeah, the birthday dinner party, surprise party drama, which I, right. it's so funny so doing good. this po- podcast because I forgot that that was such a big part of the movie. But having yeah. to write about the movie, you sit with certain things in a way and you're just like, why? Why this? Why was this a choice? So that really um, that really worked for me. What's your next like it, Jake? Okay. <laughs> My next like it is Steven Seagal's accent. What is he trying to do? Is it Southern? In the beginning, it starts to feel, it feels like he's trying to do a Southern thing, but then like he'll get mad and he'll get, go like sort of like New York-y and like, I don't, and then, and then uh, probably like the third scene into the movie, he just does his typical Steven Seagal voice, but he's trying something in the beginning. And I don't if you caught that but it whatever it is it's it's completely indistinguishable i wonder if it's because like in the scene when he's like cooking in the in like the um the kitchen on the ship or whatever he's surrounded all the people that are working like the line cooks are all just like poc so i'm wondering if it's his way of just doing his own like little like urban patois in order to like let you know that he's among the boys so tara and i did talk about that but we were like (laughs) I was like, I immediately was like, just my discomfort. It was just like, it can't be that. He's probably trying to do like a Louisiana thing or something. But I think you might be right. You know, it probably is a mixture of both. I used to work with this white guy and he, everybody else, I hated it so much. Everybody who would come in, if they weren't black, he would just say like, hi, how are you doing? But if it was ever a black man, he would always say, hey, how you doing, brother? And I hate and I hated it because it was like, just just hello, dude. Like, you don't have to. What? Nobody's thinking like, oh, he's down with it. 
not not only do you not have to do that, you shouldn't because it's fucking weird and no, racist. No, it's wild. <laughs> I was in a shoe store and an old white guy did that to me like a couple weeks ago. And I was just like, oh, just leave me <laughs> fuck alone, dude. Like, just, I don't want to do this. Just say hello like you did to the two people that walked in in front of me. Absolutely. Like, why reserve that for me? <laughs> like, I know what's going to... I'll use shorthand. I want him to know that I'm down with it. It's like <sighs> nothing could indicate to me like that that's less the case like (laughs) we respond to hello as well hey brother like fuck off (laughs) this country Uh. is so broken oh my god so i feel like when he was doing it i noticed it was like in certain in certain scenes and like there's a scene where commander krill comes down to the kitchen because commander krill sends his his goons down to tell to tell seagal like that that we we won't be needing your food that by the way has already been like chopped and like like the like the meal is happening and they're like it's, and it's and like it's a like dinner you, party for that ooh. evening. So it's like, it seems like it's like three or four. It's like well, provisions have been like set aside. Like <laughs> we're making the meal because you can't make a meal for hundreds of people in like an hour. And like this should have been, per- this sh- this conversation should have been had Weeks. like a week ago. Because <laughs> like, it's like, longer, longer than a week ago. Because it's like, also you're on a ship. Like food supplies are limited. You can't just be like wasting shit. You're wasting like, yeah, you're wasting like, like naval supplies. Like, and it's like all because you're having this meal, which is also like, who's paying for this? Who's paying to have like, and like, there's a scene where he goes to the Captain Adams and he basically explains to Captain Adams, Commander Krill does, that like, you know, this ship is being flown in and it was a special surprise for his birthday so he wants him to stay in his uh stay in his quarters so that he doesn't see anything as a surprise is being planned and like i was really surprised that the captain wasn't like with what money like everything that you're describing sounds very expensive you're you're using like u.s like official u.s and i know that there's like you know there was like the um like the bob hope like uh, what USO tours and things like that yeah, were like entertainment surprises, but it wasn't <laughs> like, like a surprise. Like you're flying in like entertainment, and if you're flying in entertainment to be dropped off with large amounts of food and a catering staff, then like we've also got to pay for another like helicopter to come in and take it, take all these motherfuckers away too. It like it's just a really messy plan, and I was really surprised the captain didn't interrogate it anymore, and he's just like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, like logistically it makes no sense and hundreds feels of like, thousands of dollars and feels like the way that commander krill talks about himself and how he feels stifled by not having enough power doesn't seem like he would be the person to be able to do something like this you know what i mean no. like have access to a budget for this you know it just is so wild well also like i know i'm giving away one of my later points but there's That's also right. like, there's a moment where the party starts up and we we find out basically that it's all this coup. Tommy Lee Jones is 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 ruling the roost, baby. That's mm-hmm. Bill Shranix, and he's a mm-hmm. disgraced CIA agent, and he's here, and he's got a personal vendetta, and you better he believe sure, it. He sure does. He's here for destruction. And there's a scene where Gary Busey's character is like in the captain's quarters after they've killed him. They kill him very quickly. They mm-hmm. take over the ship, and Gary Busey they kill the captain, very Captain quickly. Adams, yes. and they're in his quarters going through his personal belongings, and they stumble upon this like journal. <laughs> 
And Gary Busey's like reading the journal entry and it's it's giving burn book. And the <laughs> journal entry is all about like the captain basically just being like, I don't trust Commander Krill. He's like volatile. And he's I don't like, think it's it's not his journal. This isn't like live journal. It was his personnel record. It was his review. It was his Zanga. It was his Zanga. The millennials out there of a certain <laughs> age. Dear diary. Captain Krill or Commander Krill's captain, a little bitch. Commander Krill is the fuckliest skank aboard You'll the USS me. Missouri. Him, his taps aren't doing it, baby. And he was, and yeah, and his his insignia, it's not insignating, baby. Um, but it's like he's reading his personal record, which is just basically like the captain being like, he's unhinged and like he can't be trusted. And I'm like, I'm worried about him being like second in command. And like, right, like there's, he's like, he's like saying there's like a mental disorder. Yeah. Like, he's like, this, yeah. he's like, he's a liability and it's, <laughs> it's giving dangerous. And Gary Busey's like, what? It's like, it's like as you as you walk over his dead body, you have the nerve to be upset that he clocked you as like a wild one. As like it's so funny. A potential risk where you're literally staging a coup of this ship and have killed countless people in like the first 20 minutes. Maybe his blood is strewn about your face. Yeah, like, like you have his dead body propped up in a chair across from you. <laughs> like, it's yeah, it's giving weekend at Bernard's. It really is. And it's it's seeming like maybe somebody was on to you and you weren't doing such a good job at keeping a lid on the crazy. So um, like maybe give some weight to that just for a minute and don't be so like, surprised. He's like, he's like, wait, wait, wait. But also like wild and unhinged people hate it when you call them out on being wild and unhinged. So it it's actually true. Cool quite accurate but that's like the worst thing you can do to like a really like rowdy like manipulative person is be like hey you're being rowdy and manipulative and it's like and they're like "Ah." (laughs) it's true oh i'm sorry i didn't mean to tell you about yourself in a way that you didn't know i thought we i thought you could i thought we all knew yeah and they're like no no." they're like i'll show you i'll show you while in a hinge and they like kill your dog and you're like okay so i was accurate yeah, okay, so it gets worse. <laughs> so it's giving what I thought it was. Um, but yeah, so that. And then um, my next like it was, I love how they keep reminding us. They keep like trying to remind us at the beginning of the movie. Not reminding, but like they keep dropping these breadcrumbs, especially Captain Adams, mm. like to remind us that like Steven Seagal is so much more than just the culinary that, expert. Oh my God, which... It's uh, so is, not subtle. It's so not subtle. And like... It's just so funny. Like at one point, the captain, like Steven Seagal comes downstairs and like him and the captain are clearly very buddy buddy and have like a relationship that extends beyond this mission. But he says to like Steven Seagal, like, oh, if I had your medals, if I had your medals, you'd have to pry them off of me. Because like Steven Seagal is just wearing like If I had your medals, I would wear them to bed. And Steven Seagal just sort of lets out a chuckle. So it's like they want us to know that he's like the most decorated and lethal. Like they want us to know that his body has been registered by the government as a lethal weapon. Um, <laughs> but and it was so like confusing to me at first because I was like, I don't. First of all, I don't know fucking anything about the Navy. I don't know about anything, but I don't know anything. So about you the hate USB. Rihanna? <laughs> just say that. No, I fucking Just love Rihanna. That. That's the Navy I do. I know more about than the U.S. Navy. Absolutely, baby. But I will say I don't understand because like, uh, I, I guess like you can join the army and 
do things that aren't like, or join the Navy or whatever and do things that aren't necessarily like battle related, like cook. Oh, for sure. And so I was confused because I was like, why? I don't understand. Like, he's a cook. Why does he have all these medals? Like, what are you trying to tell me? Like, I I was taking it so much more like face value being like, I don't understand why. Does he have like best like, you know, bouillabaisse competition? And, you know, did he win that? Like, it's just like unclear what they were talking about. But again, that's probably just me not understanding the military as a whole. <laughs> so they kind of min- they kind of mention it in the movie, but essentially what they're hinting at is the fact that like Steven Seagal's character was a part of some like ops mission or whatever at an earlier point in the movie. Yes. He was in charge of his team. Um it was like a SEAL team and he led he was the leader of the SEAL team and they were like supposed to like they were in Panama or something. And he's the sole survivor of the team. And like after this mission happened, they were given bad intel and his whole team died as a result. And then he attacked like a higher ranking officer when he got back just Mm -hmm. as a result of the anger and frustration. But then he was basically in. But it seems like one of the things that was a little bit unclear was like how he ended up in this um how he ended up in this predicament. But what they say is that he was basically given the choice between being a Yao Man or being like a cook. Yao Man is, is a person. Ya- okay. Thank you. It's up. Yeah. It's apparently a person who like, well, I think the term Yao Man is used for different things, but I think in a military sense, it's a person who like files paperwork or works like a clerical position. Uh, okay. So he was basically given the choice between being a cook or a Yao Man. And what they say in the movie is that it's like, you those are the only two like positions i guess that you could have if if you weren't like actively involved in like some sort of combat so he basically like picked like from the two positions that were available to him um and he went with the position of yaman is essentially what i think they were or like the cook you know the position of the cook Sorry, he yeah, he went with the position of the cook. That's right. Um, okay. And opted to not take, you know, the other position. So he became chief petty officer. Uh, okay, so that makes sense. I mean, I, obviously that was, was revealed really to me quickly, later. Like, it was, well, that was revealed to me later in the movie. But in the beginning, I was just like, what are they talking about? Like, I, because oh, I no. just no. We just, you know. see, we see that, like, they give us hints at it. Like, when he has mm-hmm. his little tussle with Krill and he gets the better of him. And then there's a moment where, like, he's taking on, like, five officers. And, right. like, easily, like, he just, like, is waxing everybody's ass. And you're like, okay, this is more than just a cook. Like, right. he's clearly got, like, a different, a different set of skills skills and um a particular yeah. set of skills like essentially yeah so that's like what it was um but yeah okay i feel good about that um so my next like a point um is okay so as part of captain adam's like birthday party they got miss july 89 for from the Playboy magazine to like come and like jump out of a cake and do a strip tease for him. And when she lands on the, she lands, the chopper lands on the ship and she is walking onto a ship with a bunch of men cheering and like whooping at her. And my first thought was, Oh my God, that is the most terrorist, 
terrifying scenario to me. Like walking onto a ship where a bunch of men clearly see you as a sex object who are isolated from women for most of the year and don't necessarily like, you know, have a lot of access or interaction with other women besides maybe there's some female officers on the ship, but didn't appear to be that way. And like, I would be so scared. Like there's no way out. You're on your own. You're the only woman on the ship. I would be terrified. Just absolutely crossed my mind when she was walking onto the ship. No, it's like, it's a weird, like it's a weird moment. And it, it does seem, especially because you're coming on the ship for the purposes of like doing some sort of like exotic dance for like members of like, you know, that's a, this is a very like, terrifying scenario and also whatever's happening obviously hasn't been sanctioned officially by the navy it's all happening Mm -hmm. without their knowledge actually so like even more reason for like you to be nervous and scared it's like you've been brought on this ship by like a disgraced cia agent who you may or may not know that but you know it's tommy lee jones with long hair so you put the pieces Mm. together and (laughs) you're on this ship and they're like you're just gonna hop out this cake and dance it's like, wait, where are we going? Why are we getting in a helicopter? It's like, we're going to land on that ship right there. And it's like, why do why do the caterers have guns? Don't worry about that. You just make sure that Bustier is, is, is upright. And she's like, huh? Okay. And there's like pushing her off the ship. And she's just like, what's going on? Does everybody like my pixie? And they're like, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's fine. You're going to be shaking your body pretty soon anyway. Just 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 get the cake. And then she's like, oh, I'm I'm really nauseous from the ship. And then Commander Krill gives her pills and was like, this will help you, sweetie. And she takes them. And I was like, I would, I mean, not victim, but I just think like, I would say never take those pills. And it turns out that they obviously knock her out so that she's like out cold during the, the initial, you know, um, kerfuffle where they're taking over the ship. I, yeah. I just put that piece together, by the way, in this moment. Okay, so I knew she was... No, no, I knew she was drugged. But I just put together the piece that he probably just gave her that... Initially, I was like, oh, so they were planning on, like, assaulting her? Like, why'd they give her this roofie? And then I really... And then I... Now I'm thinking about it. No, he just... He knew what was going to happen. And he was like, Mm -hmm. let me just drug her so that she's passed out and we can get this coup started. Is essentially, like... deal with her. What it was. But then we get this wild scene which is her they so she gets drugged for some reason it's like you go ahead and get in this cake five hours before the party so she's in the cake drugged and then she wakes up and when she wakes up she just pops out of the cake (laughs) and starts doing her like sexy dance routine not a soul in the room not a soul Um, she's taking off her clothes her tits are out and (laughs) she is still fucking going for it and it's like just look around you i understand that you are just coming off of being drugged but there's an empty room and when you open your eyes and see the disarray why is your first thought to take your top off and not be (laughs) like hey did something go on here or like, oh, like maybe they haven't like pushed the cake out yet. Right. Well, actually, like, wasn't your first thought like, why was I passed out? And why do I have like slobber coming down the side of my face right now? Like she is literally like, I'm make it do what it do. And it's like, I feel like I would have just been like, I want to just take the temperature of like, like what's going on? Are these guys <laughs> under control? Is there security? Like, 
what what am I getting into? And like, she's not groggy or anything. She is alert and she is ready to go. And then she wakes up to Steven Seagal with like um, a machine gun, like pointed at her because he's caught off guard by the raucous music. And it's like, you know, when did this impromptu Skid Row concert start? And he opens up the door <laughs> and it's uh, Erica Aleniak, baby. Yeah, um, who actually was Miss July, Playboy's Miss July, nineteen eighty nine, which I saw, and yeah. I was like, okay, so you know, drawn from drawn from real life, so drawn from real life. Jordan Tate was based on uh, some of Erica Liniak's experiences mm. uh, pre Baywatch. And, I'm uh, glad you're saying her name because I've not known really ever how to pronounce it, Erica Aliniak. I could be saying it wrong. Oh, okay. I was just taking your lead, but it, that sounds and, right. Also, if I remember correctly, I think Erica Aleniak. So there was this show that was on some years ago. And it was this show where. Where they like. Was it her? I may be wrong. I It was a show called. Was it called? I think it was called Splash. And it was this TV show like, you know, they create these television shows, these reality shows where they're like, we're going to bring in celebrities and we're going to have them do. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It wasn't her. My bad. It was Nicole Eggert, who is also um, <laughs> an actress on Baywatch. I got him confused. But they do kind of look like so I understand where they you're do look like a little bit. And basically the premise of the show was like, we're going to bring in these like celebrity like b c list celebrity sorry How celebrities dare um, you. i mean and apparently kareem abdul jabbar like icon and legend so i yeah. eat my words because obviously keisha knight pulliam drake bell um mm. from drake and josh uh, louis anderson was in the mix r.i.p these are kendra all wilkinson to me kendra wilkinson was Girl in the mix chewy from chelsea lately was in the mix of course um, so yeah so it was it was an interesting melange of characters mm. but they basically come into the show and they do like competitive diving and what? but they were like injuring themselves because it's like that's not like dancing with the like, stars i was gonna say is this like around when dancing with the stars was like newer and people and like i know they did like skating with the stars and stuff like, stuff like, like that this was yeah. yeah it was in 2013 Okay, oh, so I just sounds rem- like a little bit. After I remember that era. watching it because I remember thinking like this feels like a different <laughs> level of danger. Like they were on diving boards, they were learning how to do like tricks and stuff to dive into the water, and then they were being like rated on it. Oh no! But I just remember thinking like, and then even like when they would do little packages of like rehearsals and stuff, and it was like people are hurting themselves. Like yeah. this isn't the kind of thing that you can like. Either you're Greg Luganis or you're not, but it's like you can't just like <laughs> teach people how to like do this in the same way that you can teach people how to maybe do like you know a light version of a like pirouette. the tango. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But yeah. I just remember like I think Nicole Eggert really hurt herself on one of the episodes. It's like yeah, this is unforgivable. That water is hard when you hit it, and <laughs> y'all don't know what you're doing, Mm-mm. and you're not like a kid learning. We got no. adult bones. Yeah, and they're exactly. formed so when they break they're broke yeah and uh anyway it wasn't even erica Linux, so i'm sorry for that but i forgot about that show and then it just popped into my head and i wonder if that like is move. we could find that somewhere to watch it oh, i would love it brand and i love watching discontinued reality shows that were oh, like baby. yeah i do <laughs> a bad idea but we still invested in, in the moment i find out that they like they're difficult to find i become mm-hmm. determined because i'm of like course. i'm like first of all in the age that we live in nothing can be buried no like completely and not on our watch we won't let it happen brandon tracked no. down all of the swan 
and yeah, oh, we watched all it, and it is one of the most offensive shows I've ever had. The it's it's horrifying displeasure I, slash pleasure watching because we watched all of it and we're just. <laughs> I've been on the hunt for Dr. 90210 as well, because I remembered that I show. I loved that show. That guy was so weird. He was so weird. His <laughs> hair was stayed frosted. And he had this wife who was like long suffering and like oh, always she, unhappy. In she the looked whole show. so tired. She was so tired and miserable. Hungry. Like she looked like she's in need of a good meal, a good night's sleep. And to say it's and a husband who can receive critique like like he was never home and like it would always be like interviews with her where she was just like i don't know if this marriage is gonna work and it was just like so funny to think about that kind of reality television because it was like it felt like very honest and i remember as a kid watching it and just being like this this marriage isn't doing good and they felt like they were totally on different pages because oh, he never yeah. really seemed to be clued into like oh, no, no, no. how he was all on the about like edge his marriage was. Being like a superstar surgeon. Yeah. And it was like it would cut to her in like this dark, dimly lit like mansion, <laughs> like trying to like care for her kids and like also like her emotionally unavailable husband. And then yeah. it would cut to him like having like a big success during like a rhinoplasty and like his Beverly Hills offices. And it was like then he would come home and she would be like sitting at like this ornate like Grecian dinner table and like hair freshly teased just being like I'm not happy I don't feel here I don't remember myself and he's just like yeah 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 so I did this foot surgery today and it's like take the tinfoil out of your hair for a second those tips are more than frosted and listen to your wife a little bit and to your marriage it is on life support at this point (laughs) like yeah baby it's now holding on and spoiler alert they're not and they're not they're not a union anymore they're not they, um, they didn't make it work I'm, I'm sorry to hear that for them I mean, of course but yeah, yeah. We all, i saw it as a child um yeah and so that was the like it and yeah no, that's I, uh, my like it what's your next like it voice? what i actually wrote which isn't a real like it so we'll just skip right over it was mm-hmm. george hw bush is back in power so i know jane loves that um <laughs> because he uh, bush offered <sighs> up he said you can use me in this um in this and movie barbara. and barbara they both yeah appeared. babs was there too mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um and i was like it happened. oh Oh look, it's it's two war criminals who don't care about anybody. Yeah, um, go off. Looking yeah. great in the pantsuit from Talbot's Babs. Um <laughs> so yeah, that my my next like it though actually is like so we I know I can't get over this the beginning of this movie and this whole beef about like who's serving <laughs> who's serving birthday. But Gary Busey, so what starts this fight that ends up leading to Steven Seagal being I lost love in the how this- I'm sorry. I just love how this is your gay cross the bear. Like, um, look, parties. I am who I am. Okay. I was, when I heard it was a dinner party, I was looking for David Tutera. I was looking for Isaac Mizrahi. They were nowhere to be found. I was left with all two of your, straight men. All of your reality show references are like E shows from like 2001. We all, we, we know what we know. Of okay. Course. And, um, yeah. Also, the reason part of the reason why it took so long to come out because I was like, I don't, I don't think I can live as out loud as they are. Um, <laughs> kept me in the closet a little bit longer, so I guess it did the opposite of what it's supposed to. I was like, this is too this showy. This is why for, representation for matters. We need to see all types of gay people on television, yeah, so we don't n- feel we have to align with the likes of David Tutera. 
It was like me and like a puka shell necklace and Jinko. I was just like confused, drowning in like polo sport. Like, I don't think I'm doing it right. Um, but yeah. So, so Seagal is in the kitchen working away. He gets some of the goons come down on doing Krill's bidding and they say, you can stop cooking and head up to the deck because we've got a meal come being flown in from Hawaii. And Seagal's like, you know what? How about I keep cooking? How about I don't stop? And I say I did. And you get the fuck out of my kitchen. Mm -hmm. And so he keeps cooking. And then Busey comes down. And (laughs) and this is when the fight starts. Because Busey spits in the bouillabaisse. It is so rude. It's so rude. It's this big ass stew pot going to bouillabaisse. It doesn't look good, of course. But... It's, no, it's very it's his, thin. It felt, looked very it's, thin. It's for, really thin. It's really soupy. Um, it is Seagal's offering to the captain, though, who he loves dearly. Um, I did want a moment after the captain gets killed of Seagal finding out that the captain's dead and like really like forcing some tears. Um, I love a good forced tear moment um, mm. from an actor who's out of their depth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I didn't get it. And I wanted somebody to be like, I wanted him to be like, I got to find, ca- I got to find the Cappy. And somebody to be like, look up to the stars, man. Mm-hmm. We lost him. You can talk to him, but you'll never hear him back again. You're not going to get a response though, kid. And then him yeah. just like railing at the sky. Cappy. He hears you. Cappy. Uh, you but we didn't get it. Cappy. And uh, it was really sad. It was almost as sad as missing out on Steven Seagal's sweet, sweet ponytail in this movie. I, I can't believe it. But military protocol dictates that he couldn't have his his amazing rat tail. So they they snipped it off. This is what we talk about when we talk about making sacrifices mm. for a film. This is for what we mean. Art, for your art, you know? I mean, he mm. couldn't. I mean, I have to be honest. I do think his hair would have been unacceptable in the form that it was in. Look, Seagal walked so that Nicole Kidman and Bradley Cooper could run. Okay. So when Bradley Cooper puts that uh, transformations. Oh, okay. Okay. When Nicole and apparently from some of the photos that have been released recently, Bradley Cooper decided (laughs) to put on those noses. (laughs) <laughs> that nobody needed that nobody needed we're doing a little we're leaning a little too hard in that into that jewish cosplay it's getting a little it's, it's getting, getting a little gauche it's getting a li- and like it just tell the story <laughs> just tell the just tell we the do story. not need prosthetics on bradley cooper to feel like he looks more like the person he's playing leonard bernstein and leonard like bernstein. nobody was in the room that was like "Ooh, maybe we jumped the shark also i saw pictures of leonard bernstein he does not have like no. the nose that bradley nope. cooper's like. it's almost like it's almost <laughs> it's like a it's <laughs> It's like, have you, it's like Nazi propaganda. Those like cartoons. It's, it's too like. much. It, Leonard, Leonard Bernstein did like that nose isn't even Leonard Bernstein's nose. It's like, no. why do we feel, it's like, do you think that the bigger it is, like the bigger your chances of winning the Oscar are? I, 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 I guess so. I don't do know. You, it just feels do like you think if, that- if Hollywood really is run by the Jews, why did that, why did that pass? Do you think that Bradley like called Nicole up on FaceTime and she was like, bigger. <laughs> Make it bigger. <laughs> you want the you want for gold statue or not, man? Bigger. <laughs> what you want? A golden globe? Or an Oski? You gotta go bigger. 
You think my Virginia Woolf will set the voters off? <laughs> I don't know. It's gone too far. It's gone too far, and it's so bad. It's almost like you almost sound like. Uh, I guess I don't know what you sound like. It's gone sort of Jamaican to me. Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was skewing a little bit Cockney, which wasn't my it intention. Was, I was trying to get back on the. It, it was. It was skewing Cockney, but then the last bit got sort of like a patois <laughs> that when, I was think was unintended. When I was in grad school, mm. uh, Jane came and saw a production that I was in, and mm-hmm. I can't tell the story. Actually, never mind. I can't tell it. Um, what are you gonna tell? Fine, it's fine. Whatever. Jane saw okay. a production I was in, and there was an actor in the production who had an accent, and mm-hmm. and it was an Irish accent. And Jane said to me when we were, I was just driving Jane to the train because she was leaving at the show, and she was like, "That's so weird that that white person was like Jamaican. Like why?" <laughs> and I was like, "That wasn't a Jamaican accent, Mama. That was that was Irish." And uh, she couldn't believe it. She wouldn't believe it. She was like, like when? And I was like, the whole time was sort of the idea. But uh, I guess uh, hearing it, hearing it straight from uh, from the the impartial ears of audience members, uh, it didn't quite hit the mark. And I think about that sometimes, just randomly. You were convinced that that person was Jamaican and you were like why is that white person doing that accent I wouldn't have asked it like that had I known what the true what the attempt was what the true attempt was (laughs) oh my god I love it so much so that's what it was Jane what's your next like it okay before we get into ourselves into too much trouble this is my final like it I like (laughs) oh Gary Busey's character Commander Krill, no matter what he's doing, he is fucking panting the whole time. He's standing there. He's having a casual conversation with Tommy Lee Jones. And all you can hear while he is waiting for his next line is (sighs) couldn't have been more out of breath. I don't know if you clocked that, but I could not stop noticing that. <laughs> Gary um, was chomping at the bits. The moment that Tommy Lee Jones's character gets on the on the actual ship, he's revved up. He's not really exactly <laughs> holding his hands close to his chest, and he's out of control. And like so much so that like a person who feels a little bit more like measured, not completely because mm. he's got his own things going on, but Tommy Lee Jones's character, Bill Stranix, feels a little bit more like methodical. He was mm-hmm. a CIA agent. He understands the lay of the land. And then you've got like Gary Busey, who's like showing every card that he's got <laughs> and everybody else has got. And he's like climbing all over Tommy Lee Jones. And it's just like, it's too much for, for anything that's supposed to be giving even slight covert. Um, my next like it is actually Baby Boy Busey as well. First of all, I will just say that like Gary Busey in movies makes me happy. Mm-hmm. I was 100%. extremely happy to see Gary Busey in this Mm -hmm. movie. And also I was going to forget to tell you this. I saw Edith head, which apparently this is a rare appearance. So I watched Columbo as our listeners know, (laughs) Edith head was a guest on an episode of Columbo. She was a guest. No fucking way. So 
Academy, so Academy Award winning actress Anne Baxter was on an episode of Columbo. She ended up being the killer. It was fucking amazing. And but there's a scene because she's playing an actress and there's a scene where she's meeting with Columbo to talk about he's looking for clues in the death of her assistant, I believe, who she killed. And she's, you know, playing the game. And mm-hmm. But she's having a meeting. And the meeting she's having is with her costume designer, who is legitimately Edith Head. And they have a whole conversation. And Edith Head's seven Oscars, she had an eighth, she won an eighth Oscar later that year, mind you. Her seven <gasps> Oscars are on the desk behind her. Oh, my and God. It's just a great scene. She's only got a couple a of lines. Icon. But it's amazing. And I just was like, oh, my God, I have to tell Jane this. That's um, amazing. For those of you guys, for those of you guys who don't know have listened to older episodes where we mention her edith head is an iconic costume designer in hollywood Amazing. she's done incredible incredible work um you know through the golden age in hollywood up to you know obviously what the 70s 80s yeah and um and she if you listen if you listen to our what a way to go episode um that is an amazing showcase of edith head's um abilities it's a movie uh it's a huge cast um but starring shirley MacLaine, it's really incredible and the costumes are just a feast for the eyes it really is one of i'm one of the most like visually magnificent movies in that way that i think i've ever seen in my life and that episode is so much fun like i feel like brandon and i are like on 10 talking about that just because all the clothing in that movie it's just such a showcase and seeing her and apparently that's a very rare like an appearance of her like 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 talking like seeing her and her speaking is apparently very rare. So I, don't I was even think uh, I know really what she looks like. I'm she's a she's like a she's a uh, like a petite woman. She wears spectacles. I know who she looks yeah. like. Yes. Okay. Sorry. She looks like that character on um uh in uh. The, the Incredibles. Incredibles. I knew yes. you were going to say that. It, yeah. So she gives like a little bit of Linda Hunt for sure. 100%. I mean, she's just so fabulous. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And so I was like, oh my God, I have to tell Jane that. So that's mm-hmm. it. But speaking of costumes, that leads me to my final like it, which is we get this really unnecessary drag moment from Gary Busey. Oh um, my God. What in the movie, it comes this? out of nowhere and it doesn't advance the plot at in any way? all. <laughs> oh, and our, our producer has just chimed in to let us know that the character in The Incredibles, Edna Mode, was based on Edith Head, which makes yes. perfect sense. Absolutely. And uh, they did it. They did it correctly then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, Gary, Bu- thank you, Dave, for uh, sharing that with you. We love you. Thank you for doing all you do. Um, mm-hmm. Gary Busey in drag in the movie. It comes out of nowhere. It doesn't advance the plot. It doesn't. It's not even like in service of like some sort of like covert mission or anything. It's just because Gary Busey wanted to be in drag. And there's <laughs> and nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that, but it is bad drag. It's too. real bad. Yeah, it's, it's real bad. And um, yeah, he's running around the ship. <laughs> he's like the the men are all like downstairs, really like frothing at the mouth. Drinks are whooping pouring it up. Um, they're whooping it up. Hoorah. And um, <laughs> it's just it's a lot. And Gary Busey's in drag when he goes up to the captain's chambers because he's told the captain to wait in his chambers and he comes in and he takes the wig off. First of all, the captain goes Creel, is that you? And it's like, of course it's him. This isn't good drag. No, it's just, it looks just like him in a wig with some yeah. bad lipstick on. Yeah, it really honestly, it's not like doing, you know, 
what you think it's doing. And when the captain said that, honestly, my like my first thought was like, well, you know, it's either him or it's Shasta McNasty. So like (laughs) you tell me. Remember how much Uh, the dude from Shasta McNasty looked like Gary Busey? Do you remember that show? No, I don't. And now I have to Google it. It didn't. Oh, my God. Not it being Gary Busey's son. Oh, my God. Stop. <laughs> it's Gary Busey's son. Stop. Oh, my God. It's ah. Jake Busey. <laughs> oh, my. I can't even breathe. Are you kidding me? Uh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's so funny. I literally I would just remember that that dude looks so much like Gary Busey when I'd watch that show as a as a kid. It was not oh good. Oh, my God. But I had no idea that that was actually that's Jake Busey. Oh, my God. Also, was Vern Troyer like a big part in that show? I don't remember, although it, it was he's on for as, like one of the top cast. But I like don't remember him. I don't remember it very well. Yeah. And also his name was Vern Valentine. So they just had to keep the first name the same. So <laughs> not not to get not to murk up the waters too much, I guess. Um, but it looks Anyways, like it was. A, you guys should Google it. It was a one and we, done. <laughs> it was a one season. They, they did what they needed to done. do. A classic in a, in a single season. Episode. They they wrapped it up when they needed to wrap it up. It could have been anthology style, like how True Detective. It's like mm. one season mm-hmm. type thing, and they told the story. Maybe it was another yeah. iteration that came after. But so yeah, so him and Drag completely caught me off guard. I don't know where, and he kills the captain while in half drag. He took his wig off, so you know that's something. But he was still he was in his skirt and everything, and he just shot the captain. He Very was, quickly. I, he was too it, cowardly to do it outside of drag, you know? Who knows? And drag reveals who we mm. truly are. So it makes mm. sense, as RuPaul has told us in RuPaul's Drag Race many times. So it makes sense that this would be the mask that he hid behind when he did one of his most heinous murders and he killed an American hero in Cappy mm. Adams. R.I.P. You and you uh, your Cappy Adams. This moves us right into our, our love it. Jane, mm. what's your first love it? My first love it is this is giving Die Hard. And I was thinking that when I was watching it, where it was like, ah, okay, so we've got a similar situation where we've got a group of mercenaries taking over and we've got an incredibly like talented person in hiding who they don't know is fucking with them and, you know, trying to like... Uh, whatchamacallit, trying to um, foil their plans anonymously until he's obviously finally exposed. But it was just, I, I thought, I was like, this feels like Die Hard. <laughs> that, it, you are right. That is like yeah. a really like, that's a very specific movie trope too, because it's mm-hmm. like the person who's there, who's like hiding in plain sight, they know they're there, but they don't know the skills that they have. And like, it, right. it, it's in the best interest of everybody. It's like that information is kept hidden as long as possible for this person to slowly sort of begin the process of like methodically, like destroying the bad guys one by one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's hidden away because he's in that meat locker for a, a little chunk of the beginning of the movie as everything is sort of like starting up. So, Ooh, that's a good point. And did you know that apparently uh Die Hard with a vengeance was the, the rumor at least was that it was supposed to be on a boat and then they rethought the script 
when this movie came out because Under Siege was such a big hit that they had to go back to the drawing board and it ended up in New York because they were like, we can't do it on a ship now. Under Siege was this massive hit and it was about... I did not know that. So that's interesting. That's interesting. I mean, Tara and I had a conversation because while we were watching, I was like, oh, this is giving Die Hard. And she was like, I've been waiting for you to say that. But she was like, I feel like Die Hard was kind of the blueprint for like a handful of these kinds of movies in the in the Uh. 90s where there's a few action movies that have the same different setup and different scenario, different locations, but a similar like vibe where it's like someone in hiding who has a very specific special set of skills who can like overthrow this like terrorist type person well you know it also makes sense too because it's also like bruce willis was one of the first people to usher in that sort of movement of like the the every man sort of like hero because before that it had been like arnold schwarzenegger and like steven steven um sylvester steven stallone what am i saying Mm -hmm. sylvester stallone but like these muscle bound you know Dolph lundgren even like these big muscular like hulking dudes who were like kicking ass and like with bruce willis he was like this like new york cop who just happened to be in like the right place to help like right. kick all of these bad guys asses. But he does it in like an A shirt and a pair of like t- well-fitting uh, denim jeans. Mm. And so we see mm. Bruce. So like, it's very much <laughs> that like moment. It's like, Oh my God, it's just, you know, this is like a, a guy in his thirties going through, you know, potentially a divorce from his wife. Like, mm-hmm. like he's just, he's just here ready to kick ass. He's, you know, New York's finest, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was the beginning of this movie of almost like not the anti-hero, but like it's sort of, of like it subverts expectations in a way because it's like you're totally. expecting that dude to save the day and it's actually the badass who's using their brains and their wit to like stay a couple of steps ahead of like you know the group of like you know evil doors so that's right. really interesting and upon like more instead of just taking that person at face value there's much more to that person underneath all of you know than just being a cook or just being a new york cop for sure yeah um and it actually so this leads me into my following like at point which i'll just share now since we're talking about it it. the difference between Die Hard, or the difference between Bruce Willis and Steven Seagal is that Bruce Willis has that like charming quality, and like Steven Seagal has the emotional range of a robot. So, oh yeah, he is not giving. It was funny in my head when I started to think about this as a Die Hard like facsimile in some ways because (laughs) Steven Seagal is like not anywhere near charming as Bruce Willis and he like Ed delivers almost every line in exactly the same way and like can't, is giving us just almost nothing I'm not sure what his appeal is because I it's don't in- think he's like very attractive I mean sorry that's no <laughs> no it's interesting too quickly <laughs> no I know what you mean no Steven Seagal's interesting also because sometimes when Steven Seagal is like fighting in movies it feels like it gets away from him like Girl. it feels like he's not in control and it's like are you like like what's your skill set and I was looking it up and he's a seventh he's a seventh Dan black belt in Aikido um and so I get he does have this martial art background, but it's definitely sure. not given like Keanu. But well, I mean, this who is, is this is well, 
this is my uh, this is my next like it point which the Say let's it. just go through okay let's just go through my Spit next like it, it point is like i've seen john wick like i've seen he's ruined like, us choreography i've seen this and it's like when you oh you might have to cut this joke because it might be too mean, but I'm going to say it anyways. It's like Britney's Instagram dancing. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, oh, this used to be good, but now it just comes off as a whole mess. <laughs> like it used to be the top tier, but it's like now we have John Wick. So it's like when you actually look at something <laughs> like that, you're like, Wow, we were kind of like gagging for nothing. It's <laughs> Take also out that Britney joke. A free Britney. I want all the good things for her, but I will say her <laughs> her Instagram Disney is a little chaotic, and it would be so. Uh, it, look, it's not that I'm not a dancer. Okay, <laughs> the way that you are putting your face closer. To try I'm and just see listening. me I'm talk you my out. way out of this. I want everything good for Britney Lynn Spears. I want her to be safe. And what did protected. you call her? Is her middle name not? Oh, it's Britney Jean Spears. Who's Lynn? Jamie, her sister. It's <laughs> oh, usually God. the other way around. The mix yeah, up happens. But I'm spiraling on this. I want good things for her, but her Instagram Disney is chaotic. I'm gonna say it. I look. I'm gonna stand by it. We we all know it. We love her, but it's like it's Part not of it gi- is giving like you know some incredible dancers that are like on Instagram who are doing you know what I mean like these. It's also probably because it's dancing that maybe it's because she's like choreographing it and it's like she doesn't have right. like Wade Robson or like some of those right. choreographers who knew what her skill set was and also anything looks better when there's 30 people behind you doing it so 100%. maybe it's like the solo moment also there are dancers who I look at on Instagram too and I'm like oh my god and it's just them and by themselves on a field like doing and the damn thing incre- and they're incredible sure. yes 100% but yeah, and, no, she's it's evo- what I'm saying, what I'm using this as, and it's a mean, like, no, drag her spirited joke. And I don't, she's not going through anything right now. <laughs> she doesn't need her oh, fans yeah. more than ever. Got that joke, y'all. Leave me. I like how you keep calling it a joke, and it was just a <laughs> fact that you shared about how you felt about something. But I like that you keep trying to say it's a joke when it's just well, your truth. It's a comparison, it's a, it's a mean comparison. and. I don't want to be fair though. You didn't really compare her to anybody. So I think that you just sort of stated like what you're picking up on when you're seeing it. And like, I think that, yeah, it's like we used to think of like Britney is the goat. You know what I mean? When it came to like dancing and performance in like the late nineties, early two thousands as in terms of like the pop girlies, if we're talking about like, you know what I mean? Uh, again I hate comparing other people to each other but the people who were giving you know similar vibes but less like intense dance performances Brittany was considered a great dancer and a great performer now so much has changed and so much has evolved 
from what we expect, you know, from dance performances and all that kind of stuff, the style has changed, choreography has changed, all that kind of stuff. And I feel, and also she's just dancing alone in her living room. So again, not having a choreographer to help her craft these. Yeah, I don't incredible. understand why she doesn't have the best like dance room ever. And suppose like her, like her like marble, like foyer. Like I don't understand why Brittany doesn't have a room that's just dedicated, like beautiful lighting, like mm. soft lighting. Like, I know. Just to like her being able to do her like dance thing and like with a really fabulous backdrop and like really great music. Like yeah. it feels like a really easy sort of like upgrade for a person yeah. of her level. 100%. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I will say that like in this movie, Steven, there's a scene where Steven Seagal is fighting with someone. They're like hiding. They're on the they're on the ship. They're trying to move through it quietly without, you know, um, drawing much attention. And he ends up fighting with one of the bad guys. And he does this like scrappy move with his hands. <laughs> it's almost like you when you're like pretending to be like a tiger and you're like, rah, rah. but he does that with his hands. But it's in all seriousness. And I was like, what? You're I the savior? <laughs> um, but yeah, there are these moments where I, cause I feel like, and I wonder if Steven Seagal's skill set is, it's just like a very specific one. But I think sometimes what I think is like, I'm surprised the editors didn't like do a better job. This of, and this may be the thing. best. This may be the best of the best, though. The, Who knows may, what they were this, working with? They, the, and that's the, this may be the best of the time, too. And they're like, quick cut. And then, like, we can't. If we quick cut anymore, he's not in the scene. Right. And he's like, well, damn it. Leave it in then. <laughs> Leave it well, in. Well, also, like, the sound, like, when he's fighting, like, with the knife, it's like, it does sound like someone is going into a mic, like, you know what I mean? To make like the knife sounds. <laughs> knife, knife. Um, to remind you that it's dangerous. Um, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. And I think that like there are those moments where you are kind of like, huh, so he had the 90s in a chokehold. Um, but yeah, I know. But also it's like, it's so good though. It's so, it's so good. I mean, it's, it's so good. You watch it and it's like, this is like slightly cringe and I'm loving it. And you're like, this is, this is the hero. We deserve. Um, yeah, no, it's it's really it's really funny. Um, yeah, okay. Um, I already already shared a couple of my like it's throughout our conversation. You that we've love had. it, Simon. Oh, sorry, my yeah, I've already shared some of my um some of my love it. I do love in that first battle though in the kitchen when he takes on like five dudes. It's like it's kind of slow. Yeah, and like it looks like some of them are just like falling, and because <laughs> they're like supposed to. And it's, it's like, okay. So true. And like, I feel like now when you watch an action movie, like the cuts are so quick that you almost don't always know what's going on. But this is like, again, like the editing was oh, not. Oh, yeah, I know. You see exactly what's happening. So, like, when people start falling, or you're like, he didn't even touch that person. Why are they on the ground? It's like, it's really, they're expecting the movie magic and like this soundtrack that was not done by John Williams to do the work of like telling a tale that like, it's really hard to sell. Yeah. And and nobody's moving too fast either. I actually said to Dave at one point, why don't they speed this up a little bit in post to make it look a little bit more dangerous? Because it right. just looks like a group of middle-aged men having a tussle. <laughs> and, which it uh, is. Which it is. It's yeah. very that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Jade, what's your next love it? So this is my... Um, final love it point because I went through all mine in like one fell swoop but my final love it point is like I 
get what they're trying to to do with Jordan Tate and Ryback having this like bickering back and forth. So Jordan Tate is played by Erica L. How do you say And she's like essentially like when she jumps out of the cake and realizes the um ship is quote unquote under siege, um, she sort of sticks by Ryback, the Stephen Skull character, the whole time, and they're sort of work together. And they have this like back and forth bickering and like it is not as cute as they think it is like it feels so out of place in the scenario it's like again when you think like okay I could see this being light work in the hands of like Bruce Willis you know what I mean but it's like they're trying to have this like you know cute flirty like um bickering moment but it's not giving and that's what it's like it's really tough to watch because then all of a sudden there's supposed to be love interest at the end. And you're like, where did this come from? (laughs) Nowhere. (laughs) Literally like you couldn't pay for the chemistry and they tried. (laughs) I mean, everybody's getting paid here, but like, no, you're absolutely right. It makes, it makes no sense. It comes out of nowhere. And it's just like, what's going on? Like, no, it's stupid. And not to mention, Erica, Erica Aliniak. Aliniak. You're going to put respect on her name today. I know. I'm so sorry. Erica Aliniak. This is like your moment because you mispronounce everybody's name. So this is like one of my yeah, but few you, blunders. You, you, you mispronounce the name that's been spoken right now. So you worry about Jane. <laughs> so she's 21 when they film this. And Steven Seagal is 40. And like they look like they have a 20 year age difference. So oh, it's absolutely. giving creepy as well. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, weird. It's just not a matchup that I'm like rooting for. It also just isn't necessary. Like it just no. it's not necessary. It doesn't help advance the story. Okay, so this nope. is just one of my love that's it just <laughs> it's annoying and it doesn't advance the story and it comes out of nowhere and it's a force <laughs> in there and it's weird. And then like I was reading apparently that like Steven Seagal wanted like a sex scene apparently in the movie between the characters <sighs> that was unnecessary and like you're under siege when are you gonna find time to fuck you know what it I makes mean? no sense <laughs> and it's not giving that and they have no chemistry <laughs> and it just it was not needed and <sighs> no and at the end when they kiss you're like why is this happening it's like, so gross Ugh, it's awful um so okay so my next like my next love it was that like as we discussed earlier like steven's doing what he can with a story uh but i love them trying to like when they try and remind us that he's into cooking um and like there's a moment when he's like in like so him and crow get into the fight at the beginning of the movie then crow orders his men to put steven seagal because he can't actually like lock him up because he doesn't Mm. have the clearance to do it so he so he's like put him in the meat locker so they put him in the meat locker and he sets up some lackey to like basically like patrol the meat locker that's locked to make sure that like he doesn't get out and at one point while he's in the meat locker he just he's like she's like give me out give me out and then at one point he just throws out a get my pies out of the oven my pies <laughs> and then he like he randomly will bring up food like he'll be like oh my booyah base or he'll be like oh no that mirepoix isn't gonna sweat itself and it's like stop you don't know anything about cooking <laughs> You did not, you didn't even open Joy of Cooking to prepare for this role, let alone meet with a chef. Like, what are you doing? Like, it's so so funny because it's like they feel like they have to sprinkle it in so that we remember that he's got this sort of like 
culinary acumen as well. Like, well, also when he pulls the so the lackey like pull eventually pulls the pies out of the oven because they're burning, and I think at one point someone says like, "This isn't like this is the work of like." an incredible chef this isn't just like this isn't just a uh, some regular cook these are marie calendars and like referring to the pies which are burnt and i just thought like what <laughs> like what are you talking about uh, how could you know that like you're just looking at a regular but look I, at this lattice work <laughs> yeah, exactly. this is we're an not- all butter crust <laughs> yeah exactly we're not seeing like some sort of like british bake-off caliber or caliber like a home cook oh my like, god the flake yeah. on this <laughs> the proof so is weird. in the proof this definitely had a double proof Oh my God, this isn't that instant you shit either. This is that active dry. It's just like unnecessary. It's so, it's so wild. But I do like it because I, you forget that that's supposed to be the cover is that he's this cook and then he'll say something randomly about like anything. Like he'll throw out like aperitif and you're like, oh yeah, that's supposed to be his like specialty. Your story, um, but we don't. Ex- sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, Jan. Um, and then my last, um, my last love it is so the Erica Alineat character, Jordan Tate, mm-hmm. she's, she busts out of this cake and <laughs> she has one of the most obnoxious scenes in the world because at this point they're on the, the seat, they're under the siege all the mm-hmm. way. Tommy under Jones is running the siege. fucking show and it's so funny, by the way, that Tommy Jones is even in this movie. It's like I so know, funny. He's I only, love it. He's the only person that like makes this movie like essentially oh, yeah. watchable because his performance is good because it's Tommy Lee Jones. And he's got these great like he does. He's a Tommy Jones can he can read a fucking line, man. He's got some he of the best line really readings. He really can. And, and he makes so much more out of it. And some of them are just be like, he'll add this depth to like mm-hmm. a line or a scene that you're just like, this, this doesn't deserve this. No, but, um, but he does it. But it's Tommy Lee, baby. And he is. um, And so like as he's taking over the ship, like Jordan Tate is discovered by um, Ryback and then he brings her with him. He's trying to lock her in this locker in his like in his quarters. And every time he closes a locker door, she starts banging on it like, let me out, let me out, let me out. And he opens the door and he's like, what? And she's like, let me out. And then he slams it. And she's like, let me out, let me out. So he finally is like, okay. So the compromise is to put her in this like newsboy outfit and like, <laughs> and like take her with him like around the ship as he's like destroying these bad guys. Makes no and sense. Her disguise, she's no tactical training. No, her disguise is silly. It is so silly and it is so unnecessary and it's just a distraction. And she's like following him around in this fucking hat. They like throw like a sailor's hat on her. No, it's a baseball cap, but she's wearing it backwards and her bangs are sticking out of the hole in the back. It is the funniest fucking look I've ever seen. Tara and I were obsessed with it. It's it's amazing. And she looks the fool. And it's not doing anything. And it's like you might as well just let her wear what she's wearing because like if if she's seen nobody's gonna be like oh that must be a sailor on patrol like no like it, it we really all does know look like a playmate pretending to be yeah, that's what it's uh, giving it's yeah. giving like a playmate who's about to do a cute little photo shoot and like exactly. live a fantasy moment nobody's gonna see her from a distance even and be like <laughs> Oh, that pixie haired sailor twink over there. <laughs> Let's get them involved. So it's hilarious that this is the disguise. Oh. And I loved it. It was so good. So unnecessary. Oh. 
in my okay in my last love it which was just this really funny moment where they're like beginning their sort of it's towards the middle of the movie and gary Busey's character krill he's and this is actually partly i have to thank dave for pointing this out um but he's talking and the Tommy Jones character, Bill Stranick, says to the Krill character, so what are you going to do when you get $200 million? And then Gary Busey's character says, buy the presidency. Mm-hmm. And then Dave said, what does that mean? Do you mean that you're going <laughs> to run for president? You're going to use this money to fund a presidential run? And I was like thinking about it. I was like, I th- that's what it felt like it meant. was like yeah. he plans on buying it. But it's like. You do know that you're a war criminal now, right? Like once the smoke settles, there's no like life for you in civilian society. You're not going to be able to like covert like too many people have seen you and like are aware of what you've done. Like you murdered the captain of the ship. Do you think there's a world in which you navigate this and you come out on the other side? And in the off chance that you do, do you really think that you could be president? Well, I can't say that. We're just talking about Cheeto and Chief being arrested. So we didn't have the crooks in the White House I mean, well before that. But mm-hmm. it was just a funny moment that it was like, that's your long plan? Like, you, if if you can't plan a life that is anything to that, that is anything yeah. other than you constantly being on the run. You you're know also I mean? your public enemy number one. Yeah. And regardless of any of that, even if you even if this was just another day on the ship, your file is strewn with reports of your unhinged <laughs> behavior. Like you you're doing a background check, baby. Much. You, yeah. you were just in drag looking booty. Everybody saw you like blend that fucking concealer before you think about running for the fucking president. Run a fucking run a fucking mascara over those Mm. eyes before you think about running for president. Okay, (laughs) get that run out of those stockings before you think about running for president, mama. Mm. So that really that was something I thought was really funny. It was like, just go buy a house somewhere and sit down somewhere anonymous because you're going to have to live off the grid, baby. That's what you do with that money. Gary Busey. I did think like what the fuck does that mean? It's it's funny that they it's nonsense, and that's why Bill Shannon doesn't even acknowledge it. (laughs) Um, He doesn't have time for that. And so, yeah, okay. So you want to move to the little bits now? Yes. (laughs) Let's do it, Jenny. Okay. There are so many things in this movie that aren't explained that I had to figure out what was happening for myself. Like, okay. They, they keep showing Steven Seagal doing things, but they don't explain what he's doing. So he's like messing with these like missiles. And he's like, at one point putting a condom on something and pour like he's clearly ends up making a bomb but i found myself being so confused about some of the things that he was doing where like we obviously have jordan tate here a total civilian who has no idea what's going on who could hey, casey what used, are you doing exactly who could have been used as the device to explain to the audience what the fuck was happening there were so many times where I didn't understand what was happening until after it happened, which I found annoying. Like, I, like, also, where did these random Italian people come from? All of a sudden, Krill is communicating with these guys on the sub and they're speaking Italian and there's 
No explanation for it. There's a crew, an Italian crew on the sub, maybe? I don't know. Nobody's explaining anything to me. Yeah, and there's this random dude who's giving, like, Jackie Earl Haley as Steve Jobs, like, aboard the ship. (laughs) And he's, like, manning, like, the the locator or whatever. And it's like, where'd you come from? And also... what are you doing? And what's your job? And all of this, like, uh, the power stops working at some point. And so that means he can't do something, but then that just writes itself, like, there's so much going on that isn't fucking explained that doesn't really do anything for the plot for me like the I reason why they the, the reason why they didn't have the jordan take care to ask any questions is because steven seagal didn't know what he was doing and the director <laughs> was literally like put that rubber band around that put that rubber band around your nipple and then blow up that condom and stick that lego in it and just do it quick right And it was like, I want to know what the vibe is here. And I just found myself spending time, like not being able to listen to dialogue that was happening because I was trying to think about. That wouldn't have helped you at all. Exactly. The dialogue didn't help either. Because there's also so much like military Navy speak that went way over my head. I don't know. And over the actors' heads as well. And and over the actors' heads. At some point, so Tara explained to me that like they end up firing at the sub that krill is on and it catches yes. on fire at one point but they're talking about using like a five pound we this isn't going to do anything this is a five five pound starburst or whatever and i was like but then they replace it with like actual gunpowder i don't fucking know and you're but like Tara, what in the juicy fruits going on what are we talking about starburst juicy fruits going on tara was like <sighs> i think that means that the five pound starburst are blanks or something just like scare people they don't actually have like blasts behind it but then they i almost missed i almost missed krill's death because it happens so quickly no ceremony to one of the biggest characters in this entire movie yeah (laughs) and no and honestly tommy lee jones's death as well it happens Mm -hmm. so fast it happens in like 10 seconds and you're just like oh Mm -hmm. that's so like he didn't like he didn't even stand a chance like y'all didn't even <laughs> no. make it a scenario typically with like a really good like climactic fight scene you get like moments where like the bad guy is besting yes. you know and when and when the good guy is Steven Seagal and it's like honestly I feel like Tommy Lee Jones doing a week of hand to hand training yeah. probably could have sold that probably was the problem that's probably right. why they cut it as much as they did they were like, just stab him on top of the head we're gonna <laughs> cut all this other shit because he's wearing your ass out we thought you were we thought you were a keto yeah. We thought you had the training. Exactly. You cracked the code. You were supposed to come in here. Steven, our editors are running themselves ragged. No sleep. Trying to make you the final girl. Mm-hmm. It, it was giving all of that. Yeah. Um, no. I, okay. So the so my, this is not really a loathe it, but it is, fun, it was funny as hell to me. There's a moment <laughs> where they, where the bad guys momentarily get the uh, Jordan Tate character and they have her. She's like trying to like, She's trying to covertly like do her thing and they find her and they grab her and it's like four men who are like holding her and she's like just I think the I think the director was just like ad lib but she's yes. like hey hey get off of me and then at one point she says leave me alone <laughs> and I don't know why leave me alone was so funny to me but of all the things to ad lib like you're literally about to die and leave me alone is like what you say to like the school bully. It's, it's like, like there are you're four men. annoying kid brother who won't get yeah. out of your room. You know it, yeah, it's like somebody's playing the I'm not touching you game where yeah, they're like exactly. right in your face and you're like, leave me alone. I'm gonna tell the teacher. And she's like, leave me alone. It's like four men carrying machine guns. It's like, 
Death like, is on the menu, girl. Leave, leave me, me alone. alone. That's the you think that's going to get you out of this pickle? So <laughs> also, that really sa- made me laugh. Also, that part is so funny because it sounds like it's full blown like ADR. Because oh, yeah. it, does, it is thrown a from a studio. universe where she's the just director. like, hey, leave me alone, buddy. Hey, get your hands off of me. She's like in like the, an ADR studio months later and like they and like the director's not getting what he wants. So he sends Gary Busey in to just give her a noogie while she's like doing her ADR. And she's like, that's enough, Gary. I don't want a swirly. Um, it's very much giving that. And yes, we are both children of the 90s, as you can tell, because we know how you really terrorize another child is with a it's wet willy and a swirly, baby. A That's swirly, the swirly, baby. Fucking wet willies. Yes, just thinking about it. It's so it was the most disgusting. disrespectful thing it that anybody so could do to me when I was a kid rude. and one of my fucking cousins would give me a wet willy. Mm. Oh, it's so disrespectful. It's disgusting. Maybe they stopped post COVID. Um, but I doubt it. These kids are wild. So yeah. So that was my first, um, that was my first one. Um, did you have, did you have any more Lotus Jane? Yeah, I got a couple. Let's start with this one right before the final knife knife fight between Rayback and And TLJ uh, and Stranix. (laughs) It's Seagal and Tommy Jones. Um, they finally see each other for the first time, which they had not seen each other throughout this whole movie. And they go, Hey, I know you. It's been a long time. And then they start to fight and we never find out how or why they know each other. Like why add that part in? Why say that if we don't get a follow-up being like, Oh, we served together or like something, you know, it was just like, it was a totally unnecessary detail that had me thinking like, what? Like there's gotta be more to this. And then there wasn't. Unless he meant like, I know who you are. Like you're the one, meaning you're the one in the ship who's been giving me trouble. And it's been a long time, meaning like I've been looking for your ass for the last several hours. No. Did you, how no, could you that took, mean that? You took it to mean like we, we know each other. And while you were in the CIA, maybe I was in the seals at the same time. And like we crossed That's paths. That's what I thought. How well, else they're both would- disgraced, you know, former, I guess like, no, they're not even the same branch of the government, though. But no, like, he's CIA. He's so maybe it did mean that, and it just was over my head. But yeah, which I hate to admit that a part of the script was over my head, but there were many of them. Everybody was underwater at one point, <laughs> cast and crew included. Um, there's this moment where Erica, like, where Seagal's giving her a gun, and she says that like mm. she has a distaste for guns, and I was like. This isn't the moment, girl. This girl, we we all do. You don't take this Uzi (laughs) and go and play your role, play your position. When you are under siege, you have to do what you have to do. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, it was. uh, It was wild. So (laughs) that was one for me. What's your do you have any more Lovitz? Yeah. Okay, my Lilith is specifically, this is my final Lilith, and it's specifically about this knife fight between the final knife fight between um, Tommy Lee Jones and Steven Seagal. And actually, this was my favorite part of the movie. I don't know why it's under my Lilith, because I really, truly loved it. I just needed a place to put it. But it is probably the funniest part of the movie, just because the way that it's shot. There's so many there's there's so many shots of clearly like Seagal just like like 
the cameraman is standing is, is shooting Seagal. Tommy Lee is nowhere in sight and you just see him like doing these knife moves at the camera and it looks so fake and so staged and it's so fucking funny to me because it's like that's you and the cameraman having a moment and then there's another part that literally had me on my fucking knees dying so right before the final part where steven seagal eventually takes a knife and stabs it right into tommy lee jones's head he has tommy lee jones like he's like leaning over and tommy lee jones's arm is in between the two of them and he's holding the knife in his right hand and at this point steven seagal decides to bite the blade of Tommy Lee Jones's knife. Yep. And Tommy Lee Jones just lets go. He just lets go. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, you, you got to think about teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Your teeth aren't strong enough to no. disarm a, a No, he would have been looking like the Joker. <laughs> exactly. It would have gone right through his fucking lips. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, I clocked that and, too. Like, the camera's like fully visible on this where it's just like he bites the knife and Tommy Lee Jones just, just like, let's go. Just let's go. There I was, was like, that's impossible. There was that scene earlier in the movie, though, when that guy was flossing and he was like, oh, you know, my thing about teeth, nothing with teeth. So he probably I'm, I'm just joking. It was a oh, bad joke. I was like, I don't remember. That. Um, no, it's a weird moment because it's like, OK, so somebody was just ready to rap for the day. Yeah. Someone was like, OK, we're just going to end it like this. And it's like, nobody will catch that. <laughs> like, yeah, it's literally it, this is happening kind of in slow mo. Just in well, it's terms also of like this is the seeing. face off we've been waiting for the whole movie. So like it <laughs> would have so been. Really. Yeah. And it's so funny, too, that like. They, we don't have a like a final like fight between Seagal and Busey like that Mm-mm. Busey just gets like like exploded I guess like yes. it's just like it feels like such a like cop out it's like I it want totally them going does. toe to toe and I right. want a really good fight if we're gonna go full knife with this one then let's do gun or let's do hand to hand or something right. with the Busey exactly. moment or I want Tommy Lee Jones's character to kill Gary Busey like mm. one of the two, but I want like I feel like something more fitting than like an explosion. They were, I did think I that thought, Tommy Lee yeah. Jones and Gary Busey were gonna have some sort of face off towards the end. The first time I saw the movie, I thought that like Tommy Lee Jones was eventually just gonna be like, "You've served your purposes. I don't want to share the money with you. Absolutely. I'm done with you." Exactly. And then and or like you're you're like too you're too much of a loose cannon. Like you're unpredictable in a way that like I'm not loving. So I gotta get rid of you, or you're just annoying the fuck out of me, which all <laughs> seemed like valid potential endings um <laughs> the my last little bit was just like and it's funny because i did read that it was inspired by dr strange love a movie that i also have not seen but the oh whole, i haven't seen that either the mm. whole um military the executive military branch though like they're in excuse me oh my god they're in this think tank and they're like sitting around this think tank and they're all like discussing like what to do and they're just Mm -hmm. so useless and like it's so funny and we even get this one shot of two of the people who are basically like oh my god like we're screwed if this mission goes wrong and they're saying we'll just blame it on the cook and they're like yeah 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 and i'm like what and i thought they were gonna get like some sort of comeuppance later in the movie or like it was gonna come out but we never really get a resolution on that Mm -mm. it just sort of leaves us with like i guess the feeling that like you know the decision room is full of like cowards, but it's, yeah. 
but it's like it's just like I don't know something about like the executive branch just felt like there was more to do with those characters than they did with them mm. and I and I felt like there were narratives that were sort of bubbling earlier in some of the earlier scenes and at the end it was just over and we even got a couple of scenes with like where like they actually succeeded doing what they're trying to do and then there was like a quick cut to like one of the people in the room who looks very disappointed and I'm like was he in on it like why is he like there's a scene where one of the guys who was one of the initial people in the room who was trying to like have this conversation with Stranix. And then we find out that Stranix was, was a CIA operative who they tried to neutralize by and yeah. kill and it didn't work. And then he sort of explains that they tried to get rid of him, but they couldn't. And then at the end, then there's a scene where he's kind of scowling at the end of the movie after Seagal is able to like best the bad guys. And I was like, was mm. he in on it? Like he, and he, he ominously like walks out of the room, chain smoking a cigarette. And it's just like, What's going on here? So I feel like they didn't know what to do with well, the situation room and they just sort of like either things I, that left on the cutting room floor. I don't know. Right. Well, I mean, there is an under siege too. So yes. Yeah. Part So maybe they were trying to set that up. I don't know. Maybe. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it, it's yeah. So it was kind of like a, <laughs> but like it did a feel funny loose. Thing. I agree. Yeah. It didn't feel like there was any it, it wasn't pointed enough to be something real, yeah. but it wasn't and it didn't like it, it, it just wasn't a conclusive enough like action. That I think is what the thing was for me. Yeah, absolutely. Total mess. But, but that was my last um, low that. And I guess <gasps> all of our listeners out there, that was under siege. Um, mm. Jane, I'm going to hit you with two questions real quick, <laughs> yes. real fast. Uh, uh-huh. My first question is, would you watch this movie again? Um, I would watch this movie again, but I need a little break from it. But I think it would be fun. Uh, this is always my answer, but I do think it would be fun in like a year to watch it again with you. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. We ought to get our list of movies that we said this about. Maybe we should look through our first like 20 or 30 movies and pick a movie that we watch on the podcast separately that we would like to watch together. Watch again. We'll do yeah. like a little movie night moment. That's a good idea. I would love that. I just, you know, something to connect on because mm-hmm. I feel like with our friendship, I think the listeners have noticed that there's been a rift. There's been tension. Yeah. Hanging on um, by a thread. <laughs> we've been losing point. each other in this mm-hmm. rat race. Mm-hmm. To be the our, best podcast in the world. Our, uh, our friendship is under siege, as <laughs> some might say, by as a, uh, an unknown entity. Okay. All right. I think it's yeah. your ego is really it. <laughs> um, and then well, my mm. second question for you was, do you have a movie that you want me to watch for next week? A little something, something maybe? I do. I'm very excited for this one because this is one of my most beloved movies um from the last 20 years so i am going to have you watch 2000s billy elliot okay yeah all right so <laughs> that's a movie it's uh it is a it is a movie that i have avoided by design of my life what it looks boring and British. It's not, and it looks like it's about children. It's, it's and sub- uh, and a child's learning to dance is what I think it's about. So, Brandon, it's I'm not excited. So but much more. I have no choice. I have I to watch loved, it, and I'm I, going into it open. I'm yes. going to it open. I'm opening up to the possibilities of this mm, film. I love to see that. You know, the thing is with this podcast we 
There's so many movies that I've gone into being like, oh no, I'm you've proven me wrong. You've proven me wrong many mm-hmm. times. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, those are just, I'm literally just sharing my genuine and my authentic like gut no, reaction to hearing give- Billy Elliot. And it's a movie that I've seen available on like streaming. And I always think like never, like I would never watch that film. So this is really funny. Um, this is honestly at, in its purest form. This is what the podcast was, was created for. So like, it truly is. Yeah. Truly so is. I'm, I'm excited because you're excited. I'll put it that Good. way. Good. Good. And, and I have I, no idea what to expect because all yes. I know is British children dancing. That's all I yes. know about this movie. Good. And to be fair, when it came out, I don't know what year it's from. Is it 2000? You said two th- the year 2000. Yeah. yeah so I was like, a t- you know, a t- yeah. youth. I saw mm-hmm. it probably coming out. I was like, what is new? So, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to with an open mind and uh, I'm ready to get on the ride and see what it's all about. I can't wait. Well, thank you, Bran, for bringing us under siege and for talking about it with me. I have loved it and I love you. Um, And thank you to our listeners. We love you and we appreciate you. We hope you made it to the end with us. Um, If you want to keep up with us during the week you can find us on social media at Movies We Missed on Instagram and on Facebook and on threads. Um, We once again, couldn't do it without you and we love you and we will see you next week for 2000s Billy Elliot. Bye. Faith, family, friends, Ferrari.